Welcome to Human Dreaming, the podcast for curious dreamers. Our guest today is La Carmina, an award-winning author and journalist. La Carmina runs the leading alternative culture and travel blog, which can be read at www.lacarmina.com slash blog. It won Best Blog of the Year and was featured in the New York Times. Her journalism was awarded bronze by the Society of American Travel Writers in 2020. Based in Vancouver, Carmina is the author of three books published with Random House and Penguin. La Carmina is a TEDx speaker, graduate of Columbia University and Yale Law School. She contributes to Sleep.com, CNN, Fodor's, Business Insider, Sunday Times, Huffington Post, Architectural Digest, The Daily Beast, and many other major publications. You can see her on travel TV shows worldwide, from the travel channels Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmern, Food Networks, World's Weirdest Restaurants, Discovery Channel, and TLC Asia's Oddities. She's on CNN, National Geographic Taboo, The No Reservations with Anthony Bourdain promo, The Doctors, The Purge TV, and more. See more at www.lacarmina.com and find her at La Carmina on all social media. La Carmina, welcome to Human Dreaming. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you here. I absolutely love your article in sleep.com that is titled, I'm a travel writer who stopped traveling, so I turned to lucid dreaming. And I'm really excited to dive into that day today because I'm a lucid dreamer, maybe not as avid as you are, so I'm hoping I can get some, some tips. Absolutely. This is something I've been doing since childhood, and it's the first time I've really been public about it and speaking about it, so I'm excited to dive deep. That's great. And I'm so excited that you're sharing it because I think it's an underestimated way for people to enjoy life more. I think that, um, you know, we kind of just put aside sleep as if it's, you know, one third of our life that doesn't count. But I'm a big proponent of, you know, you're still living when you're dreaming. You're still having real and vivid, emotional and impactful experiences. And so I absolutely love that you're taking it to the next level and really intentionally using it in your life in a way that is helping you um, get through the pandemic and continue your work of being a travel writer. I mm-hmm. think, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel people think of sleep as a chore that they wish they could dispense with. But in fact, I get some of my best ideas when I'm sleeping. It helps me recover and rest. And as you mentioned, it's an opportunity to have transformative experiences. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think of dreams, what is the the first definition that comes to mind? Mm. Well, I think the usual definition is, oh, you're sleeping, you're asleep in bed, and you get these visions in your head, REM sleep as you are dreaming. But 
since I'm a lucid dreamer, I think that my definition of dreaming is a lot broader. I often can't even separate the distinction between sleep and waking life. My dreams are so vivid and I'm able to control the narrative and make choices within the dream just as if I were awake in real life. Mm -hmm. So to me, dreaming is a continuum. It isn't reserved for only this specific period of sleeping. It's something that we can take into our own lives. And I, that's how I sort of perceive dreams for myself. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. I feel very similar, although my, my lucid dreams are not um, as frequent, but I am excited to learn more about that. Um, have you ever had a sleep dream, whether it's lucid or not, that really affected or changed the course of your life in a big way? Oh, absolutely. I think what is so interesting about dreams is that things can come out that you will not necessarily face head on in waking life. There's a lot that we push to the back or we try to shove under the carpet so that we don't have to face it. But in dreams, it comes out in full force. And that's something I've experienced before, not to get overly specific, but it, I was having some doubts about wh whether a person was uh, acting a certain way or what exactly the status was. But I didn't really want to face it or acknowledge this could be a problem. However, in the dream, this came out in full force. The worst case scenario I had to actually actively face and deal with within the dream. And it did turn out that was the case. So oh, wow. in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes your subconscious tells you things and you sense things, you pick things up, but you may not want to deal with it. And the dream makes it so realistic and shows you exactly what could be happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a pretty vivid predictive dreamer too. And it, um, I used to keep really elaborate um, dream journals. And there was a certain point in my life where um, I got so good at predictive dreaming that it actually scared me. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I stopped, um, I stopped writing my dream journals until I learned more about dreams and why we have predictive dreams and how they work. And then I was like, okay, this is so much less scary now. And it makes so much more sense that I would need to be utilizing the information that comes from these. And um, so, yeah, I agree. I've definitely avoided some situations once I understood what they were and how they work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and lucid dreaming lets you experience that firsthand because listeners may not realize, but in lucid dreams, you aren't just watching a movie. You're participating in it actively. It's yeah. a bit like a virtual reality situation where you can look around, make choices, interact with people. Mm -hmm. And it can be so vivid that it really feels just like you and I speaking right now. The exact type of experience is identical. Yeah. Yeah. I've even heard some people say it's more real than real. Mm -hmm. And or at least it makes you consider what is really real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had uh, like a favorite dream come true moment, whether it's from lucid dreams or like daydreaming, fantasizing, anything like that? Have you had like a creative like light bulb or, you know, had a dream about something and then years later it came true? Hmm. Well, since I travel so much for my work as a travel journalist, blogger, and TV host, I often have extremely visual dreams of places. Mm -hmm. Now, these could be busy cities, or they could be deserted, dreamlike landscapes, almost like a surrealist painting. 
And I remember years ago, I dreamt of these green rolling hills and odd statues. It was a dream that recurred a few times, but it wasn't a place that I had ever been to or thought existed. However, when I went to Easter Island in 2018, mm. I got this sense of deja vu. It wasn't exactly the same, but the feeling tone was very similar. I was thinking, okay, I have been here before in my dreams, and now here I am standing on Easter Island. Wow, that's incredible. Do you dream journal? I don't write down my dreams just because I feel it's not necessarily useful for me, at least right now. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll go through periods where I do. But I do practice dream recall. When I wake up, I try to take at least a few minutes to consider the dream, think back to what happened and if there were any takeaways or any strong moments from it. Mm -hmm. I don't write it down just because I feel it's not the best use of my time and I, I will forget the dreams after a while. But I think the initial recall, that's really the moment of reflection and that's what's important to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I'm similar. I write down my, like, I mean, in order to train myself in the method that I use, I did, you know, write down my dreams for years and, um, and like more intensely for a couple months, but I've been finding that I can know within seconds exactly the whole process and exactly what my dream is, what type it is, what it's about, how I can use it. And, um, so I don't always write them down, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, um, Sometimes they're just, it's like your daily life. You want to write it down in your journal, maybe for some reason, and maybe there's some things that you don't really want to write down. So, yeah, that's exactly it. I think people should approach it organically and see what works best for them mm -hmm. rather than having a set schedule or rule because having yeah. obligations in a way takes away from the true enjoyment and meaning of the dream. Yeah, and absolutely. Even, yeah, yeah, just the content of the dream itself to me isn't necessarily, that's not the most important thing to write down, oh, I dreamt there was this very small hotel room or whatever it might be. It isn't so much that, it's more, oh, so I'm dreaming of travel or maybe I'm yearning for this or that or thinking in that way, that's the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any other dream techniques for, uh, for improved recall besides journaling? For improved recall, yeah, I think that our day-to-day -day lives, we are so focused on what's the next task, what's on our to-do list, and also checking our notifications, text messages, social media. And that's often the first thing people do immediately once they wake up. Even if they aren't grabbing their phone, their brain is thinking, okay, so I need to do this and that. So to me, I make an enormous effort to not do that first thing. Dream recall, I just think back to the dream. I almost I picture myself back there involving all my senses as much as possible. What was I smelling? What was I seeing? What sounds were I listening to? Sometimes there might be a little ditty of music, so I try to play that back in my head. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just really try to return myself to the dream first thing rather than facing the day-to-day -day life. Yeah, yeah, solid advice, thank you. Um, if you can create a public service announcement in any format. It could be like a billboard or a TV commercial, um, et cetera. And in some you know, ways you do have this platform already, but if you could just kind of choose one thing for the entire world to see, what might that look like? Hmm, that's an interesting one. <laughs> so I 
I do a lot of, uh, like I, I'm into mindfulness and secular Buddhist thought. So I think one of the greatest truths out there that we always ignore is that everything changes. You mm -hmm. could say that all things are transitory, impermanent, and you absolutely see that in a dream, mm -hmm. right? It's constantly shifting outside of your control in most cases, and then it passes. And I think that in the dream, you aren't so, you don't grasp as tightly to the situations in the dream. Let's say it's an anxious situation. You're in the dream and something horrible happens or you're stressed, for example, let's say you are late for your flight. Mm -hmm. But within the dream, you still get the sense, okay, I'm not actually late for a flight. There aren't these consequences. It will be okay. And you can take that into your daily life if you do have an experience like that. Just keeping in mind also, this will pass, everything changes, there will be the next moment, and to remember that rather than being too wrapped up in the story that's right in front of you right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, so tell me about your, your travel writing and, um, and more specifically, how you've used your lucid dreaming to help ease anxiety around the pandemic. And um, just before you answer that, I do wanna read a brief um, paragraph from your article that goes, many acquaintances assume that giving up the globe-trotting lifestyle has been hard on me, but they don't realize that in a curious way, I've continued to travel. I experience the exhilaration of befriending strangers, exploring far off places and choosing my own adventure almost every night through the power of lucid dreams. Yeah, it's been quite something to be a professional travel writer and TV host who went to a dozen countries a year. I was constantly on the go facing new environments going off to uh, countries around the world to suddenly being in lockdown and even taking a walk around the block was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so an enormous change. Um, you asked how I kind of got into it. I started my La Carmina blog, lacarmina.com in 2007. So this was a long time ago and it took off leading to more opportunities to write and do TV and other things like that. I got more chances to travel as things took off and I loved it. So I've done most, a lot of my work these days is centered on travel stories that have to do with subcultures, offbeat places, voices that are not, often not heard in mainstream media, mm -hmm. uh, people who are marginalized or demonized. And so that's been the center of my work for quite a while. And that had to change because of the pandemic but being able to lucid dream and has given me an outlet to continue to have these types of transformative experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the, the real life experiences in pre-pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic, um, I'm definitely looking forward to doing a deeper dive into your blog and reading, reading more of those experiences. I, um, I hadn't heard of you before, but I am just blown away by uh, by your the breadth of your work and what you cover, and it's everything that I'm interested in. So I'm very excited to to do a deeper dive into your work. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think you might enjoy stories of Egypt, of India, a lot of places in 
in Asia, such as Thailand and Myanmar with the Buddhist stories I do. Yeah, I've been very lucky to be able to do in-depth reporting and meet locals around the world that share my interests. Absolutely. Is there a specific, um, I noticed that you mentioned this book in your, um, in your article. Is there a specific school of thought in, about um, dreams within Buddhism? Yeah, so there's general, well, Buddhism has many different branches and forms, but in general, yes, the sense that everything that we consider in our consciousness, the sights, sounds, um, thoughts, everything in our day-to-day -day life, it's ephemeral. It's essentially empty as much so as a dream, but we tend to cling or push away these sensations in daily life and build a story about them and because of that we develop negative emotions like stress or anxiety but in Buddhist thought and again this is nothing to do with religion or belief it's just an awareness of how things are in day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. we don't have to focus on that we can instead um, be more mindful of the moment and see things rather as these permanent or unchanging situations as more like a dream especially the tibetans they have this yoga nidra philosophy and many lamas have made it their primary practice to self-realization which i talk about in that sleep.com article mm -hmm. for centuries they've been practicing using lucid dreaming as a way to be less clinging and to have more flexibility of mind mm -hmm. yeah and is that what is covered in the, the book that you mentioned, The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep? Yes, that is a fantastic book by Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of lucid dreaming articles and books out there, they focus on the science or how to lucid dream. And yes, these things are important, but there's this whole other personal self-transformative aspect Again, uh, there, it's a bit, it's more of a spiritual aspect, but without the having to have a belief system or believe in anything spooky, it's mm -hmm. more a better understanding of the experience of lucid dreaming and how it can help you be more peaceful and present in daily life. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I ordered that book right away, so <laughs> nice. I did to read it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really interesting. And it's it's funny, um, I'm a hypnotherapist by trade. And so it's interesting, a lot of the things that you are talking about are, you know, there's a lot of crossover in the um, free form of thought and the ephemeral, uh, the ephemeral way of things, um, the way that, you know, emotions and sight, sound, smells, how all of those are connected and how you can how you can change your state um and i know that you know it's not really grounded in buddhism but i just always love it when there are different practices that have uh that have crossover yeah i think it's just realization of the state of things as they are yeah and the different states of of thought and and being you know like dreaming we think of it being like sleep and you're asleep and you're dreaming or you're awake but you know there's all of these different levels in between it's on a continuum you have 
um, daydreaming and fantasizing and then, you know, lucid dreaming, which is like, you know, to get bring it back to the scientific more for a moment, like in a, in a theta state, you know, like a deep, mm -hmm. a deep state where your, your conscious mind is partially there and your subconscious mind is also there too, which is like, you know, kind of in between what it is when we're in a deep, deep sleep and when we're, you know, in a very conscious beta state. So I find all of that super fascinating. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned problem solving, doing problem solving when, you, um, when you're having lucid dreams. And there's one particular story that you told in the article, but I also was just wondering about problem solving in general and if that's something that you do a lot of. Yes, I think it may not necessarily be what people think. It's not as if I'm solving mathematics equations in my sleep but i do realize that as a writer i would i love doing a first draft and then sleeping on it quite literally and the next day i'll look at the draft again and i'll have all these new insights or it just it's something you can't force i think let's say i stayed up later and i devoted more hours to trying to polish the article it just wouldn't be the same as if i went to sleep and the next day i can see it with fresh new eyes maybe something came together while I was sleeping. There's so many important processes of recovery and um, like processing during dreams yeah. that I think are so helpful for your day-to-day -day creative work. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I think creative dreams um, are by far and away my favorite. Like I just, I have so many drawings and, and notepads that are just filled with things that um, I either do in real life or or would love to do in another life, you know, when I have <laughs> when I have time. But yeah, those are just by far and away my favorite um, ways to experience dreaming and just getting that creative spark. I think is just brilliant. Um, so, where are some of your favorite places recently to travel to in your lucid dreams? Ah, so I've been traveling to Hong Kong and around Asia ever since I was a baby mm -hmm. because my family's from there. So that always has been a, an environment and a landscape that has stuck in my head. It's something I've experienced since before I can even remember. And because of that, and because I am currently unable to travel there, even if I had all the money in the world, I, I can't go to Japan. I cannot go to Hong Kong, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that these images I, I often find myself walking through a city that may not be exactly the same type of street in say tokyo but it has the exact same feeling the sounds of people announcing the neon lights just the whole sense maybe the smells that emanate it's very much like i'm back there yeah that's wonderful it sounds amazing <laughs> to be able to go somewhere, you know, like you mentioned, being stuck in an apartment for, well, not really stuck because you're, you have tools, but you know what I mean? Like a lot of people mm -hmm. are feeling stuck around the pandemic and, and not being able to go places. So to be able to just take yourself there is, is a pretty incredible experience. Yeah. And it also opened up my perspective. Like you said, you can tell yourself the story of I'm in jail. I'm stuck, I'm restricted, I have this much worse minimized life, but that doesn't have to be the story at all. And then even thinking, I'm talking to you about how I had these past experiences of being, say, in Tokyo, 
well, those are just as ephemeral and empty as the dream that I had last night. Oh, These yeah. are just memories of the past. I'm thinking of something that happened before. This isn't actually what's in front of me in the present. Right, right. Yeah, it's so true. And then, you know, memories morph over time and dreams morph too. It really is just another, another reality. It is. There's so many studies of how memories, every time you recall a memory, right, it changes or you edit it. And that also makes you realize that those things are not set in stone. Nothing is. Billboard. Yeah. Everything changes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you find that the emotions of your dreams play a role? What do you mean by that exactly? I mean, do you, like, is it something that you pay attention to, like the specific emotions that you have? in your dreams? Is that a, um, a kind of factor that you play around with or is it more of an experiential aspect? Oh yes, certainly. Sometimes that arises. It's different every time. But for instance, in day-to-day -day life, we're constrained by, uh, for instance, total white-hot unbridled rage is something that people cannot express. There are so many potential consequences, right? It's a destructive force that we restrain ourselves from mm -hmm. leaning into. But in the dream, I've had that. <laughs> I've been able to let it all out. There aren't any consequences there. So it's been interesting to experience emotions like that on the extreme ends of the spectrum, which I stop myself from doing in, in our waking life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Regarding techniques, like I, I find that one of the things that is a surefire way to send me into lucid dreaming land is to do a, like a slow, a slow waking alarm, like where it slowly wakes you up over the course of a half an hour to an hour. Do you have any sort of triggers or anything that sets you into that place or are you just trained enough that you go there automatically? I'd love to hear more about yours. So it slowly wakes you up and do you fall back asleep? How exactly does that work? Um, I, uh, so no, I don't fall asleep, but I actually haven't had to use the slow waking alarm for a long time. Like oftentimes now when I go into lucid dreaming, it, I'll wake up and try to do recall and interpretation. And that just takes me a few seconds, but in the time it takes me to think about the dream and make sure that I remember it, I slip back in to dreaming and that would be like when I lucid dream. But when I was first starting, um, in order to be able to just get into the right um, brainwave state, I would use the, the slow waking alarm. Um, and that would give me like, you know, anywhere from five to 30 minutes where it's just enough noise that it starts to bring you up into ah, okay. consciousness but mm -hmm. also is quiet enough that it doesn't shock you awake like a standard alarm would. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, I do something a bit similar to do with light. And I don't plan this, but I have quite a relative amount of light coming through the blinds as day breaks. That tends to wake me up, but just a little bit. Again, it's gradual, right? A bit like with you before, with the sound of the alarm. This is the gradual creep of daylight. So I will wake and maybe I'll take a sip of water or just uh, think about my dreams again. And then I'll take a piece of fabric and put it over my eyes because I find eye masks to be a bit too constraining, mm -hmm. but a comfortable silk handkerchief or something 
I'll drape it over my eyes so it's completely pitch black now. That will send me back to sleep because it's only say 6 a.m. or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I can sleep for a few more hours and that's when I often have the strongest lucid dreams. Brilliant. That is a great tip and I'm excited to try that one out. Thank you. Yeah, let me know how it works. I will, I will. Um, so are there any other extra special experiences that you would like to share or anything else that you would like us to know about you or your projects or anything that you have going on? Sure. Things are constantly shifting because I don't just do one thing. I am fortunate I'm able to dabble in a variety of different fields that keep it interesting. So before the pandemic, I focused a lot on travel blogging and TV hosting. Especially in Tokyo, we would often shoot shows there about the crazy pop culture. So mm -hmm. hopefully I can get back to that. But during the pandemic, it has also been rewarding, though, to be shifting more to writing and writing for places like sleep.com, broadening my topics. I still do write about travel, as you see in this article, but it takes on different uh, facets. Speaking about personal experiences with sleep related to travel, for instance, is something I never did before. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Um, well, just wrapping up, did you have any, um, any other quotes or thoughts that you would like to share? Um, sure, let's see. Well, in that book that we spoke about, The Tibetan Yogas of Dream and Sleep by Tenzin Wangyal Rinpoche, uh, I'm glad you got that book. I think it's very interesting the way that he frames the experience of dream and how it can help us in day-to-day -day life. So one quote from that book is, look to your experience of sleep to discover whether or not you are truly awake. Because it is a fact that in waking life, we're often not awake by many senses of the word. Yeah. We are distracted, we are daydreaming and not knowing it, or we're telling ourselves stories, narratives in our head, and we don't realize that we get carried away with it and think that's our reality. So I think that's an important quote and it's an important way to look at lucid dreaming. I agree. And, um, and I so look forward to reading that book, reading more of your work, and um, hopefully seeing some of your shows coming up. Yes, thank you so much. And if people are interested, they can always find me on my site. It's lacarmina.com. I've been updating since 2007. So there's a lot of material there. If people are interested in particular destinations, there's a travel page and you can choose the destination and see stories from that region. And I'm also on social media at La Carmina. I update regularly there so people can see my latest projects and hopefully my next travels. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I hope everybody follows you and subscribes to your blog and checks out all of your work. And again, La Carmina, thank you so much for being here today on Human Dreaming. Thank you again. This was really fun. It was. Thank you. We are supported by Human Dreaming. The Dynamics of Dream Interpretation by Sunshine Press. The Human Dreaming book can be purchased on Amazon.com, the Barnes & Noble website, or through your local bookstore. For dream share or help with interpretation, please join us at the Human Dreaming Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at human underscore dreaming. Thank you for listening and subscribing, 
and please join us again next week.